Welcome to Fireside Nets, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts. I'm Spen Harris. He's Nick, my brother. And uh, Nick, for the first time in a while, things are, are looking up for the Nets. And, and in a while, I mean in the last like two weeks. So the Nets are on a two-game winning streak with wins over the Utah Jazz and the Golden State Warriors. We're going to get into those games. Um, Kyrie Irving is playing magnificent basketball as of late. He had a little bit of a, a tough stretch there in those three losses without KD, but against the Jazz and against the Warriors, he's looked absolutely peak Kyrie Irving. And um, and we had a Kevin Durant injury update today. So, Nick, where do we want to start? I mean, I don't know, bro. You create the docket. Where do you want to start? I'd like to start with the KD update. Uh, the media spoke with Kevin Durant earlier today, um, and it was an overall, I, I think, decent you know media session. So basically, the update is, and, and for those Nets fans who obviously know what's happening, Kevin Durant uh, hurt his MCL a few weeks ago in a game against the Miami Heat. Um, today, uh, I'm sorry, on January 24th, it came out that he was making progress in his recovery from his MCL sprain, and he will be reevaluated again within two weeks. But the good news is he's going to start to do some running on the court, um, some exercising, and uh, just just working his way back. Probably going to be back around All Star break. I, I think there are two kind of types of Nets fans: those who would love to see him get back before the All Star break, maybe play a game or two, and then participate in the All Star game, which Nick he hasn't done in over three years which is kind of wild to think about because he's Kevin freaking Durant. And then there are the fans that would rather play it safe, hold him out until all-star weekend. Maybe he plays in that game. Maybe he doesn't, but you know, the nets have proven that they can win games without him and um, just make sure he's 100% healthy when he comes back. If that means after the all-star break, so be it. Uh, Any comments on those injury updates for Kevin Durant? No, that was news to me. I hadn't heard that. So Glad to see he's trending in the right direction. Would love to see him compete in an all-star game and can't wait to have him back. Honestly, it would have been nice to have him to to watch him destroy his former Warriors organization, but we didn't even need him, so that's huge. Yeah, we absolutely uh, did not need him for that game. That was We're going to get into that game in a little bit. I, you know, Nick Claxton says the Warriors took us lightly. I, I kind of saw that too. Um, but – you know, Kevin Durant, he was quoted calling the, the comeback against Golden State a character win. He said it shows who we are as a group mentally and physically. So that was, you know, that was nice uh, to see. Um, and then I just wanted to give you the actual medical update for Kevin Durant. So his right MCL sprain was reevaluated yesterday by Dr. Riley Williams III at the hospital for special surgery. Dr. Williams was very pleased with Durant's recovery thus far as he is progressing well, and as expected, KD will continue to strengthen his knee and begin running and on-court basketball activities this week. He is scheduled to be reassessed in another two weeks. So what I do on this show, I paraphrase, but I'll eventually give you the real information. That is the official update from the Brooklyn Nets. Awesome. Great. 
Uh, the only other funny thing he said um, during his uh, limited media session, he said he watches the Brooklyn Nets games on mute. He goes, I love Megan Triplett. Megan Triplett's the, the Brooklyn Nets Southern reporter. Uh, he said, I love Ruko. I love, you know, those guys are great, but he watches the game on mute. What do you think about that, Nick? That's interesting. I, I don't know. What is he? Is he listening to music? Is he playing video games on the side and watching it out of his peripherals? It's, I personally think you have to be doing something else. Maybe you're hanging with your, with your buds, but I wouldn't want to sit in a silent room and watch a game on mute personally. Interesting choice. See, I don't mind it. I, uh, you can ask my wife, Victoria. I, I watch a lot of games on mute. She calls me a psychopath, but sometimes I don't want to hear the commentary. Sometimes I, I just want to watch the game and sort of like just watch with my own thoughts and not have what Ruko's saying or what Ian Eagle or what Megan Triplett or what Sarah Kustak or what Richard Jefferson are saying um, affect the way I'm watching the game. I get it. I mean, who knows more about basketball than Kevin Durant? You think Kevin Durant wants to hear uh, the color guys give their opinion on, um, you know, what's going on during the game? You think he wants to hear Ruko give his basketball analysis on, on what's happening on the court? It's Kevin freaking Durant. He, he knows the game better than anybody, you know, including Richard Jefferson, who might be calling it or might be doing color commentary. So I, I get it. Um, some people thought, because uh, Kevin Durant loved Michael Grady, who was a Southern reporter last year and called a few games as well. He's now in Minnesota. Some people think that, that maybe KD was, was not happy um, that the Nets weren't able to keep Michael Grady. He said he loves Megan Triplett. Uh, but if, if you loved her, you know, maybe you'd want to listen to what she has to say. Uh, she was there. She actually commented on Twitter. She goes, I get it. I find my voice annoying too. Just, just a little funny, um, little funny banter from, from old jokester Kevin Durant. Ha <laughs> ha And did you know she's a triplet? She's not a triplet. I do want to shout her out though. When she got her job, we congratulated her here on Fireside Nets on her Twitter and she responded, thank you. Um, I'll never forget that. That was very nice of us and very nice of her as two nice people. Super nice. Uh, all right. So let's get into it. Uh, the Nets played the Warriors. What was it on Sunday uh, around... I think the game was at 8.30 on Sunday um, in Golden State. This was a game that, listen, the Warriors were pretty close to full strength. I mean, Steph played, Clay played, Draymond played. This was totally different than the game um, in which we obliterated them a few weeks ago when, when they had nobody. They didn't want to play anybody. It was kind of a an easy win for the Nets. 120-116 uh, was the final in this one. The Nets were down. I think the deficit was 17 points at one point. They were outscored by Golden State 33 to 28 in the first, 39 to 32 in the second. In the third, they outscored Golden State 26 to 18. And in the fourth, they outscored Golden State 34 to 26. But we were down for um, most of the fourth, too, within that like six to 12 point range. So, really, if you look at just the box score that fourth quarter, we weren't dominating that fourth quarter we came back with just a few minutes left down 10 so yeah this, this is an unbelievably fun i'll say this, i'll say it's unbelievably frustrating and then turned into an absolutely fun fantastic game to watch every single person stepped up in this game royce o'neill had a big shot joe harris hit three threes uh kyrie irving obviously went off claxton three blocks again but i think it's the third game in a row with three plus blocks i think they said it's a franchise record something like that uh, you got Seth Curry with 12 uh, and 
like I mentioned before, Royce 16, Joe Harris 14. So all around, Kyrie was the one who, who brought us back in this game and absolutely crushed it. But Royce O'Neal hit that big three to go up four with uh, less than 30 seconds left and kind of sealed the deal. Did it help that Clay Thompson was like four for 17 from the field? Yes. Did it help that Steph wasn't really finding his stroke in the fourth quarter? Yes. With that said, there's a huge win sans Kevin Durant, especially against a Warriors team who we both said on this trip, on this road trip, we were going to lose to. So great to see. Great team effort. Kyrie in the fourth quarter hit big shots. But honestly, he didn't do what I usually say he does. He didn't do too much. He didn't take a, a contested three-pointer six feet beyond the arc when someone's wide open. He passed the ball when he needed to pass it. He scored when he needed to score it. He had that big and one floater, jump shot type thing. Clay Thompson fouled him. That was huge. But overall, loved Kyrie, loved our role players stepping up. This was a win we needed given that four-game losing streak and then that big jazz win before it. We needed to get some momentum going, especially against a uh, Warriors-caliber team. Defending champion. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, look, I think sometimes we overcomplicate our breakdowns of these games because you and I consider ourselves basketball guys, so we think we got to break down the X's and the O's and, and everything. Um, I'll, I'll tell it to you like this, Nick. In those four games that we lost, what was Kyrie Irving doing from, from a scoring standpoint? I mean, he was cold. He was not hitting his shots. Uh, and- he was also forcing shots, and he put too much on himself. I guess so, sure, but he, he wasn't scoring the ball at, at an efficient rate. Let, let's call it for what it is. And when that happens, the Nets tend to struggle a little bit. They do. It's harder for role guys to find their rhythm if Kyrie Irving is off because if he's missing shots, that means that, you know, a guy like Joe Harris – or I'm sorry, the defense is going to – they're not going to need to press him. They're not going to need to double, t- double him, and they're able to, to guard the role guys. And eventually what happened in this Golden State game is, you know, Kyrie was cooking for most of this game. Golden State starts to send a second defender. They start, they start to, uh, you know, tr- try to try to double Kyrie a little bit. And, and the open guys were Royce O'Neal and Joe Harris. Um, so that is absolutely great to see. Royce O'Neal for, you know, he, is, he has been one of the most clutch players on the Brooklyn Nets this year. He's hit a few huge shots. 16 points in this game, four of seven from three-point range. Joe Harris, 14 points, four of seven from three-point range. So those two combined were eight of of 14, uh, which is huge for the Nets and their success. Um, Kyrie Irving, I I just don't want to downplay his brilliance. 38 points on 12 of 22 from the field, five of seven from three, nine of nine from the line. He had nine assists and seven rebounds. He seems to own Golden State, man. And you had that clip that came up a few weeks ago where he was in uh, street clothes and someone was basically telling him, they're like, yeah, just wait, wait what happens till you play Steph. You can't guard Steph. And Kyrie's response, and, you know, it, it was caught on camera. He goes, we'll see. He's got to guard me too. And what happened, dude? Kyrie Irving outscored Steph Curry 38 points to Steph's 26 Steph was 7 of 16 from the field. He was only 4 of 8 from three-point range. Kyrie was 5 of 7 from three-point range. Kyrie hit one more three than Steph did. Steph went to the line eight times. Kyrie went to the line nine times. Um, Steph had uh, seven assists. Kyrie had, had nine. Did I'm you sorry, see what, he had nine. Did you see what Austin Rivers said about Steph Curry? I did. I did. I found it interesting, but I also – I get it. I get where Rivers is coming from. And Steph well, – For listeners – oh, we have to give them some context. Yeah. Uh, listeners – Austin Rivers said Steph Curry is the hardest player to guard in the NBA. 
because he gets every call and every illegal screen set for him. Uh, it doesn't get called because the NBA and the and the fans, everyone wants to see him shoot. So therefore, they will do anything it takes. And he's insinuating this. His not his words, not mine. The refs will do anything it takes. The the legal do anything it takes to let him get away, get his shots off get open just for entertainment purposes, which is kind of a controversial statement saying Steph can't create his own shots without his guy, like, et cetera, saying there needs to be some sort of illegal sketchy behavior in order to get him open this often. Yeah. I mean, it's also discrediting Steph from being one of the smartest players in the league. Okay. I, don't like, agree. I never thought that. It's the same thing with James Harden when he was in Houston, these guys have taken the rules and they've been able to, basically enhance their game to get these foul calls. And, and Steph's smart. If, if Steph senses contact, he's going to draw that contact. But that's besides the point. We did a great job on him this game. I mean, outside of Steph, the only other guy that killed us was Jonathan Kaminga. Kaminga had 20 points off the bench, 9 of 15 from the field. We really didn't have an answer for him. Bro, I am um, fine with Clay Thompson and Steph not having great games and Jonathan Kaminga. Kaminga being well. their guy. You're right. You're absolutely right. Wiggins, two of nine from the field, four points. Um, Nick Claxton, I mentioned this earlier. He said that the Warriors took us lightly. They, you know, they are one of those teams, man. They'll show up for games against the Grizzlies and they'll show up for games against the Nuggets. But they play the Nets at home without KD at the end of January and they get bitch slapped because that's what we did, man. We slapped them in their little bitchy faces, which was nice. Um, you know, and, and I just, I mean, it, this is like a recurring scene where Kyrie, doesn't matter if it's Clay or Steph, both those guys, when they are on him, he becomes the reincarnation of Kobe Bryant. And he just goes the fuck off. And he just, he's like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to take 22 shots. I'm going to make 12 of them. I'm going to go to the line. I'm going to be aggressive. He's been balling these last two games. And, and we got to give a special shout out to Nick Claxton because 24 points career high. 15 rebounds. I don't know. I don't think that's a career high. It could be another game with three blocks. So he now has the record. Um, and he was six of 15 from the line, which isn't great. He's got to work on that. He was seen at practice, practicing his free throws, but you know, golden state went to the hack of Claxton strategy with about three or four minutes left. And the nets were still able to win this game. Now, this is something that we definitely have to worry about because teams can utilize this against us in the playoffs. Hopefully Claxton can get a little bit better than say 60%, I think would be great for him. Um, but re regardless of his free throw shooting, Nick, we are seeing the evolution of Nick Claxton becoming a franchise center. Are we his worried about him getting too cocky? No, not at all. Not, he said, not he was quoted after the game saying the Warriors, quote, weren't ready to play end quote i don't think he's wrong i think the energy that they came out with i mean brooklyn got off to a really good start against golden state that's i'm just saying thing. i want him to hey, yeah. stay, stay humble that's all i'm saying i'm with you listen claxton's a character I, I you know a lot of guys struggle with with their emotions when they play basketball and i think claxton is someone who he's an emotional player but he uses it to his advantage and, and you see on a lot of his dunks, you see on a lot of his blocks, he has a swagger about him on the defensive side of the ball and even on the offensive side of the ball that is that is much needed with the absence of a KD. Because KD, he doesn't need to have any swagger. He's going to hit shots in your face. Without him, you lean on Kyrie, but, but Claxton has proven to be this second offensive weapon that we can lean on. 
And what's great about him is he does not need the ball in his hands. He's going, you know, he's moving without the ball. He's catching lobs. He's, he's running in transition. He was, I mean, phenomenal in this game, nine of 13 from the field with him and Kyrie. So Kyrie Irving was a plus 22. Claxton was a plus 23. Joe we Harris and Maurice O'Neal were both plus nines. We all need Nick Claxton to, to lean on. Nick Claxton. Yeah, just uh, an, an overall massive game for him. And then the final thing I'll say about this, um, we're not going to get into Ben Simmons, who, you know, 29 minutes, 7 points, 11 assists. Ugh, I, we're not going to get into him right now. We, we can talk about him in another podcast because there was a video that came out uh, basically highlighting all the times where Ben Simmons has a mismatch in the post or he's wide open and he passes the ball up or he's not ready for the ball. Uh, you can find that video on TikTok. It is what it is. I, I just don't want to spend time on him right now. And I don't think the Nets are going to trade him either. So we'll get to Ben Simmons at another podcast. I'm too happy. Uh, Seth Curry did have 12 points off the bench, five turnovers for Steph, uh, Seth. Kevon Looney picked his pocket. He did. This was a game where, like, you thought maybe he would go off because he's playing his brother. But what I listen, I, I said this on Twitter. What I love about Seth, no matter what, no matter the mistakes he makes, I always want him to see at least twenty-five to thirty minutes because he's gonna get you buckets. He hit a he had a tough layup down the stretch. Uh, he was five of seven from the field, one of three from three-point range. But uh, along with Joe Joe Harris and Royce O'Neal, like Seth Curry contributed. He he gave you double digits off the bench in 31 minutes. So, um, I, you know, I can do without the turnovers. His decision-making can be questionable at times. Uh, but I, I always love to see Seth out there getting minutes, and, and I was happy to see it in this game against, um, against the Warriors. Do you have anything else to add before we move on and we go back to the loss against the Suns on Thursday night? No. Big win. Let's go to these stupid losses. Well, we're only going to talk about one loss because we recorded last week. Uh, I don't know if we covered the Spurs game. I don't think it's worth covering. The highlight from that game was Markeith Morris and and uh, Sohan. I think we talked. Sohan about got into it. We got into it. Um, but this this Suns Nets game. I mean, this was a tough one because you had the return of Cam Cam Johnson, who had 19 points uh, in 22 minutes. You had Mikhail Bridges, who absolutely just killed us. 28 points for him. He was 9 of 19 from the field. Ayton absolutely feasted on us. 24 points, 14 rebounds for DeAndre Ayton. And um, and that's without their all-stars, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny. Like, we, we, we talked about, you know, that Warriors game, how Kyrie and Claxton were our leading scorers. It was the same thing in this one. Kyrie had 30 points, but it wasn't in a – it was in 11 of 27, 30 points – uh, Claxton had 20 points, 11 rebounds, and Joey Harris had 16 points, four of four from three-point range. Joe, Joe Harris has been picking it up as of late. Uh, Seth Curry with 16 off the bench, Cam Thomas with 15. Um, Nets just didn't have it in this game. I, I, I mean, they, you know, they got outscored in every single quarter. Uh, they were able to come back in the fourth. They had a nice run. They outscored Phoenix 38-23 to 23 in the fourth, but just some really boneheaded plays. Um, down the stretch, they had a few moving screens. And, and this is where I'm going to rip on Ben Simmons because it seems like he gets called for a moving screen in every single game he's in. And at some point, he has to change. Like, he has to modify the way he's setting these screens because whatever he's doing, refs are calling it off. Yeah, yeah you, you can't have that. Um, Nick Claxton had a boneheaded play where they were down. Th- I think it was 
they were down three points or two, two points maybe. And he had to make the first, I'm sorry. They were down three points and the goal was like less than, you know, 20 seconds left. And the goal was you make the first, you miss the second. So he missed the first. Then instead of like, and, and it was funny because I forgot. I think it was Reggie Miller was calling the game on TNT. Reggie Miller goes, well, he's just got to shoot regular now because he's going to miss it anyway and they'll get the rebound. He threw the ball against the backboard. That's missed rim completely and it was a violation. So there were a yeah. lot of mental errors there. Um, there was a turnover, uh, a few sloppy turnovers down the stretch that that stopped the Nets from completing this comeback. Um, look, this, this was coming off of losses against the, you know, the Celtics, the Thunder, and the Spurs. This was the fourth straight loss. Uh, it, it was a tough one, but you saw signs in that fourth quarter. Like Kyrie Irving was having a terrible game, and he went the fuck off in that fourth quarter. I, I forgot. I think he might have scored 21 points in the fourth. Like, And don't quote me on that. But he absolutely tried to, to will the Nets back into this game on a night where his three-point shot wasn't falling. He was two of eight from three-point range. But he just started attacking the rim every single possession. And, you know, I know you and I talk a lot how we don't love the fact that every fourth quarter we just lean on Kyrie. And I think that in that Warriors win, we saw it a little bit less because other guys were stepping up. Joe Harris was hitting shots. Russell O'Neal was hitting shots. Nick Claxton was hitting shots. Seth Curry hit a shot. Um, but in this game, if Kyrie didn't do that, the Suns win this game by 20. And it becomes an embarrassing, humiliating loss as opposed to a loss by five that you absolutely gave a, a solid effort on down the stretch. Did you see anything different in this loss to the Suns? I mean, it, that's basically saying, oh, thank God Kyrie started to hit shots in that fourth quarter because everyone else went cold. But, but that, what we you're, have you're, to do you're is missing, find open That's not looks. fair. You're, you're missing the context. The context is there was no life with this team. And Kyrie wasn't taking jump shots in that fourth quarter. He said, I'm going to attack the motherfucking That's rim. Fine, but I'm saying then the problem stems inherently at its core from the actual team and the getting up the energy and working the ball around itself. Like, it's not like we could sit here and say like, oh, thank God for Kyrie making this game close because there was no life. Why was there no life? Why wasn't, why weren't, why wasn't he veteran hype man trying to lead these guys back to life, dishing the ball off, getting everyone hyped, getting people open looks. I'd rather lose by 20, but we got Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Yuta, uh, Yuta Watanabe, 10 good open looks that they missed, then Kyrie cutting it to five, trying to put it all on himself, but still not doing enough. We, it starts from the ground up of getting these guys involved earlier. Whether or not you know the shots will fall will depend on them and that night it comes with that practice. But I disagree. It's like, thank God for Kyrie for keeping this close. We still lost. How about thank God for Kyrie for trying so hard to get everybody involved that we played really well, we just fell short. We played really well. We found open looks. The shots weren't falling. That's what I want to hear as opposed to Kyrie put it on his back and he tried to do too much and it wasn't enough, even though he's amazing and he could score at will most of the time. Also, we're not even addressing the fact that we got out-rebounded by 15 in this game and we lost by five. So to me, all these little mistakes you talk about being a little drained of life and energy, that's fine. But the moral of the story is we got out-rebounded by 15, 10 on the offensive glass, 12 to 2 on the offensive glass. That's 10 second-chance opportunities for the Suns. They hit five of those. They hit three of those. They still win this game by five. So to me, it starts from wanting the win, building that momentum, having energy, playing defense, boxing out all these little things. 
We could sit here and say Kyrie tried to do too much. We could sit here and say people miss shots. But if you're saying the energy is really the problem, I don't want to hear that. I, 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 I can't see a team that's just not putting it in, uh, you know, <laughs> that's not putting it in every night. They need to put it in and they need to do well every night. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The Nets definitely need to put it in more. Um, no, there were five guys on the Suns that had double digits. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, um, and then Damian Lee, former world champion with the Golden State Warriors. He had 16 points. Um, and then, dude, Saban Lee, who, who is like a, essentially a G League call-up, Saban Lee had 15 points, 6 of 11 from the field. He had a few plays where he absolutely cooked whoever was covering him, whether it was Seth Curry, uh, whether it was somebody else, he had this in and out move, dude, that literally would have made you cream your pants. It was the perfect, like, zoom, where the defender took a step to one way and then Saban Lee went the other way. So shout out to Saban Lee. No Chris Paul, no Cameron Payne in this game. He's like your third or fourth point guard, and he comes in. He played very well. Uh, Cam Johnson was the other son in double figures. Um, so like I said, it was a tough loss. But you had momentum going into that Utah Jazz game. And we get to the Utah Jazz game in Utah. Nets win 117-106. Kyrie Irvin was able to carry over what he did in that fourth quarter against the Suns. And this was absolutely – like we, we talked about him being brilliant against Golden State. He had 48 points in this ballgame, Nick. 11 rebounds, 6 assists. It was one of those how-do-you-want-it games. Do you want me to hit – a three because I'm going to do that eight out of 15 times and I'm going to hit one in your face. How about, you know, the mid range, because I'm going to be 18 of 29 from the field overall and just absolutely score every time I, I, I touch the ball still had six assists, four steals for Kyrie Irving. He was a plus 23. Um, this was one of those games where, where we watched it and I said, okay, this Nets team is different than last year. We were waiting for this. Okay. It didn't happen in the first four games without KD, but it definitely happened in this game. Royce O'Neal, a little bit of a revenge game for him. Used to play for the Jazz. Now he's on the Nets. 13 points for Royce. Nick Claxton was a plus 29. I'm going to leave it there. He was a plus 29, Nick. 20 points, five rebounds for Nick Claxton. Uh, I mean, thank God they got rid of Gobert because those numbers might have been a little different. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, just, just an insane game for Clax. Um, you had Seth Curry coming off the bench, giving you 10. Those are your only nets and double figures. And, and they did a great job in the, in the third and the fourth quarter, Nick, they outscored Utah 32 to 28 in the third and 34 to 23 in the fourth, um, a really solid win. And, and we know how it gets, you know, you lose a few games in a row, teams start to smell blood in the water and, I'll give Utah credit. They gave the Nets fits. Jordan Clarkson Clarkson was virtually unguardable. 29 points, 11 to 22 from the field. We, we just couldn't stay with him. Laurie Markkinen. Laurie Markkinen, who the Jazz are going to start to build again, uh, build around, had bucket after bucket after bucket in that fourth quarter. He, he had 22 points. It seemed like every single time he was open from three, it was going in. Um, Colin Sexton off the bench. He had 17. Those are, those are really – and then um, – I like, be- Malik Malik had 12. I like this Jazz team. I think Clarkson's great. Conley's getting a little older, but he's a solid guard. And like you said, they're building the team around Larry Markkinen. Without Gobert and Mitchell, 
we should we we need to beat this team. You know, getting rid of their two superstars. Claxton needs to dominate. There's really no big man on this team. Larry Markinen's big, but he is not a bang guy down low. So Walker Kessler is a nice player. He didn't play well in this solid. game, but, he's but a this nice is player. one of those games I expect us to win. The Jazz just don't have the firepower that they had in the past. They're in rebuild mode, still doing pretty well at around 500 and 24 and 25 right now, sitting more mid tier west. But with that said, game we expect to win. I would almost think this game would be a tougher game against the Suns without Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But funny sometimes how the uh, cookie crumbles like that. But needed this win. Happy to see it. Uh, a lot of guys stepped up. Obviously, Kyrie, this was just incredible by him. That's a uh, Bruce Almighty reference. It is. I like that. Um, by the way, I don't know if we talked about it in the Suns game. Was that the game that Ben Simmons got ejected from? Uh, Might have been. Yeah. He, I, I, well, I saw a report. Someone said, I think he just wanted to go home. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, Ben Simmons ejected from game after arguing with referee. referee. This was against the Suns. Okay, back to the Utah game. Um, I did not know that Jock Vaughn played for the Utah Jazz. That's where he started his career. Did you know that? I didn't know that either. He was such a journeyman, man, because I remember him on the Nets and I remember him on the Spurs. And outside of that, I don't remember anywhere else Jock Vaughn played. I mean, he just wasn't a notable player. But listen, two wins in a row. I'm feeling good. This is what we needed after a tough four-game losing streak without KD. On the come up, Claxton's getting better and better every time. Joyce yep. O'Neal stepping up big. Kyrie coming into his own. As long as I see Kyrie keeping his eyes up the court and looking for an open man occasionally, I feel good about this squad right now. Game against the Sixers uh, tomorrow, Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Joel Embiid is questionable. How do we fare in Philadelphia? With Embiid, loss. Without Embiid, win. Okay, I think it's a loss either way. I, I, I feel like this is a game we lose. We do play the Pistons on a, the second half of a back-to-back Thursday night. I think we win that game. That's at home. So I think we lose to the Sixers and beat the Pistons. Um, but overall, guys, trending up. Good KD news, two straight wins. Nick and I are in better moods. And, uh, Nick, I know you got to go. You have an important date night with, with your lovely girlfriend. Um, say hi to her for me, by the way. Uh no. Thanks, thanks to everyone for listening to another edition of Fireside Nets brought to you Empire Sports Media. I'm Spen. What did I say? You said brought to you Empire Sports Media. That's fine. You don't have to put the buy in there. I'm Spen. He's Nick. And as always, we're going to catch every single one of you guys on the fireside because that's Please. what we do.